0: Chapter 46 of Monsieur Lecoq, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Kneeling by the half-open door, Blanche eagerly watched the workings of the poison which she had administered. She was so near her victim that she could distinguish the throbbing of her temples, and sometimes, she fancied she could feel upon her cheek her rival's breath, which scorched like flame. An utter prostration followed Marianne's paroxysm of agony. One would have supposed her dead, had it not been for the convulsive workings of the jaws and her laboured breathing. But soon the nausea returned, and she was seized with vomiting. Each effort to relieve seemed to wrench her whole body, and gradually a ghastly tint crept over her face. The spots upon her cheeks became more pronounced in tint, her eyes appeared ready to burst from their sockets, and great drops of perspiration rolled down her cheeks. Her sufferings must have been intolerable. She moaned feebly at times, and occasionally rendered heart-rending shrieks. Then she faltered fragmentary sentences. She begged piteously for water, or entreated God to shorten her torture. "'It is horrible. I suffer too much. Death, my God, grant me death!' She invoked all the friends she had ever known, calling for aid in a despairing voice. She called Madame d'Escorval, the Abbey, Maurice, her brother, Jean-Louisneau, Marshal. Marshal! This name was more than sufficient to extinguish all pity in the heart of Madame Blanche. "'Go on. Call your lover. Call!' "'she said to herself bitterly. "'He will come too late.' "'And as Marianne repeated the name "'in a tone of agonized entreaty, "'Suffer,' continued Madame Blanche. "'Suffer, you who have inspired Marshal "'with the odious courage to forsake me, his wife, "'as a drunken lackey would abandon "'the lowest of degraded creatures. "'Die!' and my husband will return to me repentant.' No, she had no pity. She felt a difficulty in breathing, but that resulted simply from the instinctive horror which the sufferings of others inspire, an entirely different physical impression which is adorned with the fine name of sensibility, but which is in reality. "'the grossest selfishness. "'And yet Marianne was perceptibly sinking. "'Soon she had no strength even to moan. "'Her eyes closed, and after a spasm "'which brought a bloody foam to her lips, "'her head sank back, and she lay motionless. "'It is over,' murmured Blanche. "'She rose, "'but her limbs trembled so that she could scarcely stand. "'Her heart remained firm and implacable, "'but the flesh failed. "'Never had she imagined a scene like that "'which she had just witnessed. "'She knew that poison caused death. "'She had not suspected the agony of that death. "'She no longer thought of augmenting Marianne's sufferings "'by upbraiding her. "'Her only desire now, Was to leave this house whose very floor seemed to scorch her feet. A strange, inexplicable sensation crept over her. It was not yet fright. It was the stupor that follows the commission of a terrible crime. The stupor of the murderer. Still, she compelled herself to wait a few moments longer. Then, seeing that Marianne still remained motionless and with closed eyes, she ventured to softly open the door and to enter the room in which her victim was lying. But she had not advanced three steps before Marianne suddenly, and as if she had been galvanized by an electric battery, rose and extended her arms to bar her enemy's passage. This movement was so unexpected and so frightful that Madame Blanche recoiled. "'The Marquise de Sairmeuse faltered Marianne, "'you, Blanche, here!' And her suffering, explained by the presence of this young girl, who once had been her friend, but who was now her bitterest enemy, she exclaimed, "'You are my murderer!' Blanche de Courtommieuse was one of those iron natures that break, but never bend. Since she had been discovered, nothing in the world would induce her to deny her guilt. She advanced resolutely, and in a firm voice, "'Yes,' she said, "'I have taken my revenge.' do you think i did not suffer that evening when you sent your brother to take away my newly wedded husband upon whose face i have not gazed since your husband i sent to take him away i do not understand you do you then dare to deny that you are not Marshal's mistress the marquis de Sairmeuse. I saw him yesterday for the first time since Baron d'Escorval's escape. The effort which he had made to rise and to speak had exhausted her strength. She fell back in the armchair. But Blanche was pitiless. You have not seen Marshal. Tell me, then, who gave you this costly furniture, these silken hangings, all the luxury that surrounds you? chanlouineau blanche shrugged her shoulders so be it she said with an ironical smile but is it chanlouineau for whom you are waiting this evening is it for chanlouineau you have warmed these slippers and laid this table was it chanlouineau who sent his clothing by a peasant named poignot you see that i know all but the victim was silent "'For whom are you waiting?' she insisted. "'Answer!' "'I cannot.' "'You know that it is your lover, wretched woman! "'My husband, Marshal!' Marianne was considering the situation, "'as well as her intolerable sufferings and troubled mind would permit. "'Could she tell what guests she was expecting? "'To name Baron d'Escorval to Blanche.' "'We did not ruin and betray him. "'They hoped for safe conduct, a revision of judgment, "'but he was nonetheless under sentence of death, "'executory in twenty-four hours. "'So you refuse to tell me whom you expect here in an hour, at midnight?' "'I refuse.' "'But a sudden impulse took possession of the sufferer's mind.' Though the slightest movement caused her intolerable agony, she tore open her dress and drew from her bosom a folded paper. "'I am not the mistress of the Marquis de Sermeuse,' she said in an almost inaudible voice. "'I am the wife of Maurice d'Escorval. Here is the proof. Read.' No sooner had Blanche glanced at the paper. than she became as pale as her victim. Her sight failed her. There was a strange ringing in her ears. A cold sweat started from every pore. This paper was the marriage certificate of Maurice and Marianne, drawn up by the cure of Vigano, witnessed by the old physician and Bavois and sealed with the seal of the parish. The proof was indisputable. She had committed a useless crime. She had murdered an innocent woman. The first good impulse of her life made her heart beat more quickly. She did not stop to consider. She forgot the danger to which she exposed herself, and in a ringing voice she cried, "'Help!' help eleven o'clock was sounding the whole country was asleep the farmhouse nearest the borderie was half a league distant the voice of blanche was lost in the deep stillness of the night in the garden below aunt meddy heard it perhaps but she would have allowed herself to be chopped in pieces rather than stir from her place "'and yet there was one who heard that cry of distress. "'Had Blanche and her victim been less overwhelmed with despair, "'they would have heard a noise upon the staircase, "'which creaked beneath the tread of a man, "'who was cautiously ascending it. "'But it was not a saviour, "'for he did not answer the appeal. "'But even though there had been aid near at hand, It would have come too late. Marianne felt that there was no longer any hope for her, and that it was the chill of death which was creeping up to her heart. She felt that her life was fast ebbing away. So, when Blanche seemed about to rush out in search of assistance, she detained her by a gesture, and gently said, "'Blanche, The murderess paused. Do not summon anyone. It would do no good. Remain. Be calm, that I may at least die in peace. It will not be long now. Hush! Do not speak so. You must not. You shall not die. If you should die, great God, what would my life be afterward? Marianne made no reply. The poison was pursuing its work of dissolution. Her breath made a whistling sound as it forced its way through her inflamed throat. Her tongue, when she moved it, produced in her mouth the terrible sensation of a piece of red-hot iron. Her lips were parched and swollen. Her hands, inert and paralyzed, would no longer obey her will. But the horror of the situation restored Blanche's calmness. "'All is not yet lost,' she exclaimed. "'It was in that red box there upon the table where I found—' She dared not utter the word poison. "'The white powder which I poured into the bowl. "'You know this powder. "'You must know the antidote.' Marianne sadly shook her head nothing can save me now she murmured in an almost inaudible voice but i do not complain who knows the misery from which death may preserve me i do not crave life i have suffered so much during the past year i have endured such humiliation i have wept so much "'A curse was upon me.' "'She was suddenly endowed with that clearness of mental vision "'so often granted to the dying. "'She saw how she had wrought her own undoing "'by consenting to accept the perfidious role imposed upon her by her father, "'and how she herself had paved the way for the falsehoods, "'slander, crimes and misfortunes of which she had been the victim.' Her voice grew fainter and fainter. Worn out by suffering, a sensation of drowsiness stole over her. She was falling asleep, in the arms of death. Suddenly, such a terrible thought pierced the stupor which enveloped her, that she uttered a heart-breaking cry. "'My child!' Collecting, by a superhuman effort, all the will, energy, and strength that the poison had left her, she straightened herself in her armchair, her features contracted by mortal anguish. Blanche, she said, with an energy of which one would have supposed her incapable. Blanche, listen to me. It is the secret of my life which I am about to disclose. No one suspects it. "'I have a son by Maurice. "'Alas, many months have elapsed since my husband disappeared. "'If he is dead, what will become of my child? "'Blanche, you who have killed me, "'must swear to me that you will be a mother to my child.' "'Blanche was utterly overcome. "'I swear,' she sobbed, "'I swear!' On that condition, but on that condition alone, I pardon you. But take care. Do not forget your oath. Blanche, God sometimes permits the dead to avenge themselves. You have sworn, remember. My spirit will allow you no rest if you do not fulfill your vow. I will remember, sobbed Blanche. I will remember. But the child... <sighs> "'I was afraid. "'Cowardly creature that I was. "'I dreaded the shame. "'Then Maurice insisted. "'I sent my child away. "'Your jealousy and my death "'are my punishment. "'Poor child, "'I abandoned him to strangers. "'Wretched woman that I am. "'Ah, this suffering is too horrible. "'Blanche, remember she spoke again but her words were indistinct inaudible blanche frantically seized the dying woman's arm and endeavoured to arouse her to whom have you confided your child she repeated to whom marianne a word more a single word a name marianne the unfortunate woman's lips moved but the death-rattle sounded in her throat. A terrible convulsion shook her form. She slid down from the chair and fell full length upon the floor. Marianne was dead. Dead, and she had not disclosed the name of the old physician at Vigano to whom she had entrusted her child. She was dead, and the terrified murderess "'stood in the middle of the room, as rigid and motionless as a statue. "'It seemed to her that madness—a madness like that which had stricken her father— "'was developing itself in her brain. "'She forgot everything. "'She forgot that a guest was expected at midnight, that time was flying, "'and that she would surely be discovered if she did not flee.' But the man who had entered when she cried for aid was watching over her when he saw that Marianne had breathed her last. He made a slight noise at the door and thrust his leering face into the room. Chupin faltered, Madame Blanche in the flesh he responded, "This was a grand chance for you. Ha <laughs> ha! The business riled your stomach a little." "'But nonsense! That will soon pass off.' "'But we must not dawdle here. Someone may come in. Let us make haste.' Mechanically, the murderess advanced, but Marianne's dead body lay between her and the door, barring the passage. To leave the room, it was necessary to step over the lifeless form of her victim. She had not courage to do this, and recoiled with a shudder. But Chupin was troubled by no such scruples. He sprang across the body, lifted Blanche as if she had been a child, and carried her out of the house. He was drunk with joy. Fears for the future no longer disquieted him, now that Madame Blanche was bound to him by the strongest of chains. Complicity in crime! he saw himself on the threshold of a life of ease and continual feast. Remorse for Lachner's betrayal had ceased to trouble him. He saw himself sumptuously fed, lodged and clothed, above all, effectually guarded by an army of servants. Blanche, who had experienced a feeling of deadly faintness, was revived by the cool night air. "'I wish to walk,' said she. Chupin placed her on the ground, about twenty paces from the house. "'And Aunt Meddy, she exclaimed. Her relative was beside her. Like one of those dogs who are left at the door when their master enters a house, she had instinctively followed her niece on seeing her born from the cottage by the old poacher. "'We must not stop to talk,' said Chupin. "'Come, I will lead the way.' "'And, taking Blanche by the arm, "'he hastened toward the grove. "'Ah, so Marianne had a child,' he said, "'as they hurried on. "'She was pretending to be such a saint. "'But where the devil has she put it? "'I shall find it. "'Hum, that is easier said than done.' "'A shrill laugh.' resounding in the darkness interrupted him he released his hold on the arm of blanche and assumed an attitude of defence vain precaution a man concealed behind a tree bounded upon him and plunging his knife four times into the old poacher's writhing body cried holy virgin now is my vow fulfilled i shall no longer be obliged to eat with my fingers the innkeeper groaned the wounded man sinking to the earth for once in her life aunt meddy manifested some energy come she shrieked wild with fear dragging her niece away come he's dead not quite the traitor had strength to crawl home and knock at the door. His wife and youngest son were sleeping soundly. His eldest son, who had just returned home, opened the door. Seeing his father prostrate on the ground, he thought he was intoxicated, and tried to lift him and carry him into the house. But the old poacher begged him to desist. "'Do not touch me,' said he. It is all over with me. But listen. Lacheneur's daughter has just been poisoned by Madame Blanche. It was to tell you this that I dragged myself here. This knowledge is worth a fortune, my boy, if you are not a fool. And he died, without being able to tell his family where he had concealed the price of Lacheneur's blood. End of chapter. Recording by Eswa in Belgium in December two thousand and eleven.